Welcome to the Generation BSC End of Summer Rewatch of Season 1 of the Babysitter's Club series on Netflix. For the next few weeks, watch along with us and revisit our thoughts on the series before Season 2 drops this October. We'll be back in the fall with our own Season 2 as well and can't wait to catch up with you all then. In the meantime, keep your eye on our social media for updates, and don't forget to email, DM, comment, or reach out. We love to hear from you all. See you this fall! I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC. Generation BSC is our, in normal times, <laughs> podcast where we discuss each book of the Babysitter's Club in order, starting from Christie's Great Idea. But as you may have known from last week's episode, we're taking a little bit of a uh, hiatus of our normal operating procedure to do um, a weekly revisiting, or I guess initial visiting of the new Netflix series that came out um, earlier this month so that we can sort of do a deep dive into each of those episodes since they correlate very closely with books uh, for the most part that we've already read and discussed. So we thought it would be fun to, you know, touch on everything that's going on in the show, what we love, what we maybe don't love as much and, you know, go from there. So this week we're talking about Claudia and the Phantom Phone Calls, which is Episode two, also book two in the normal series. Lauren, what happens in this one? So this one, um, unlike, um, well, no, similar to Christy in the great, Christy's great idea where we talked about they stayed true to the, um, theme more so than the, the plot. Mm -hmm. This one in particular veered pretty wildly away from the plot of the book. It had very little to do with the book plot. So in the book plot, as a quick reminder, um, there is a, a phantom caller roaming the nearby neighborhood. The girls are very freaked about it because they're getting hang up calls at their babysitting, um, jobs. And it all, they, they go through elaborate schemes as our girls are wont to do. And, um, it turns out at the end that it's actually the cute boys, Trevor Sanborn and Alan Gray, or cute is debatable in terms <laughs> cute of Alan and Gray. Scare quotes. <laughs> Yes. Um, depends on who you're talking to. Anyway, um, it, it's the boys calling the girls. So we talked a little bit about that time about, you know, there's some weird toxic masculinity stuff in there and um, some not great like gaslighting look on the on these guys parts and, and stalking behavior. Just not not super cute. Um, so I think they really made a smart choice to abandon that plot line pretty much altogether. Um, there is still a dance. Claudia does still want Trevor to take her, uh, but they're much more direct in that approach. Uh, Alan Gray is not present at all. And the real theme of this episode isn't about, you know, like overcoming something scary or um, staying calm under pressure. It is instead focused on the negative voice inside of our heads. And Claudia dubs those negative self-talk um, comments that we all hear from time to time, the real phantom callers. So... I'm not going to lie. I enjoy this one less the second time around. Um, there are things that I really, really loved about it. But this phantom caller central metaphor doesn't really work for me. Like when I when I thought about it for about two seconds, it kind of fell apart. It felt a little um, it felt too much like they, they recognized that the plot of the book does not really work 
today uh, for lots of reasons, um, but really wanted to keep that phantom caller concept. And the actual phantom caller in the show felt shoehorned in and the, and the, the Claudia's metaphor just felt a little clunky to me, um, which is really disappointing because overall, I thought the episode was fantastic. So what do you think, Claude? Or Claude. <laughs> what do you think, Kate? Yeah, no, I, I generally agree. I mean, the I wanted to read what, what Claudia says um, when she's sort of coming up with this phantom caller inside your head concept, just so that we have that out there. Um, yeah. So basically, this is her like voiceover on the episode. That's when I realized no matter who your parents are, um, they can always make you feel like you're letting them down. And that feeling, that one that makes you feel sad and scared and not good enough, that feeling is the real phantom caller. So like you said, it's sort of the metaphor of the phantom caller is a little bit clunky. It, I, I feel like they were feeling like we have to keep that concept from the book. There has to be this phantom caller concept because the book is called Claudia and the Phantom exactly, Phone Exactly, the title. And yeah. so, but we don't, like you said, we don't want to keep that aspect of it because it's kind of problematic with the boys sort of stalking them, figuring out where their baby's sitting, calling and not talking to them. Like, I, I totally support that they got rid of that. But the fact that they felt like they had to keep the concept meant that the episode itself was sort of off. Like, I, I enjoyed the episode for what it was. I really liked all the Claudia stuff. I loved the stuff with her family, which I'm sure we're going to get into in this conversation. But the fact that it has to be framed by this sort of nebulous phantom caller doesn't really work for me, especially because the way that the phantom caller is described here, multiple times it's referenced that someone keeps calling and keeps calling and they're calling from inside the house, which is very much like the scary story and not like yeah, what the phantom legend. caller was. Right, exactly. It's an urban legend. And it's like, yes, that is a babysitter. And, you know, have you checked the children and all of that? So it sort of relates to because it's the babysitter's club. But like, there, it doesn't really make sense that this is an actual person. Because in the book, the phantom caller is calling, you're getting a bunch of hangups so they can check and see if you're home so they can break in when you're not home. Here, it's like a stalker person who might be trying to murder you, but there's no sort of indication that anyone has been injured, murdered, anything's even been stolen. It's just there's this person who's calling from inside your house. Like, is that just an exaggeration for Marianne and Karen, or is that what's actually well, see, happening? So that's what I was going to say is if it were – the thing is it's not coming from Marianne. That's what Richard – how Richard described it, that right. he is calling from inside the house. So like my initial thought as I was thinking about this is, um, well, that makes no sense when you stop and think about it at all for even two seconds. Why would he be calling from inside the house? How would he get the number? Um, why would he need it once he was already in there? Like that made no kind of sense. So then I was like, well, it makes sense if Karen, cause Karen, that was when I really started thinking about it when Karen was the one like describing it to Christy. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. She's being silly and spooky and is like taking this. There's a, a robber in town and, you know, created a whole backstory. But that's when I went back and I double checked my notes. And yeah, it was Richard who said mm -hmm. it's coming from inside the house. And I was like, so. It would have made sense if it was if they had kept it similar to the book in terms of like there was a thief that had a modus operandi that they like ran away with and made more dramatic, um, but they didn't. the The adults were the ones who made that dramatic, and I guess that that makes sense because he is, especially in this iteration, the most wonderful of drama kings. Um, <laughs> 
I mean, just the, 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 the sitting in the chair and the light and the where have you been and the uh, just you could have hit by a car, lured into a car, like super, super dramatic. So I guess I'm, I'm like talking myself backwards a little bit on him being like a calm, rational adult. But I, I think that even if that was meant to be that they were both, both Richard and Karen were getting carried away with the story, I don't think that really comes across strongly enough for that to really, like, we're having to um, walk our way into that. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that doesn't make a ton of sense. But overall, I mean, like, I think maybe we can get into sort of the, the great ideas of the episode and instead of focusing on the phantom caller aspect, which we have now agreed is maybe not the most solid part of the, the episode. But I mean, I think one of the big things we wanted to talk about, and you sort of started to touch on it with Richard and Marianne, the, the parent-child relationships, I guess the familial relationships here, um, are sort of the major theme of this episode. And, um, you know, we can maybe go through each of them, but, you know, there's, there's Claudia and her parents, there's Janine and their parents, Trevor and his dad, Christy and Edie and Watson, Marianne and Richard. Like, there's a lot of, even though it's a Claudia book, there's a lot of different family dynamics at play here and the way that especially parents and children sort of react to each other and interact with each other that I think is maybe, and, you know, Claudia coming up with that phantom collar metaphor, I think sort of drives it home that, you know, parents maybe have different expectations than kids or kids don't understand what their parents are actually expecting of them and trying to, you know, work your way through that minefield of, you know, having a loving relationship, but not really knowing the best way to communicate and, make sure that everyone's on the same page. It's, I think, probably the biggest thing in this episode. Um, I mean, I guess we can start with Claudia since it's her episode. But, you know, Claudia, she has a math quiz, algebra quiz that she studies and studies and studies for. She says that she stays up, you know, all night. Stacy's been tutoring her. She's working as hard as she can. It's not like she's slacking off. And she still ends up getting a 64 on her quiz. Janine before this has indicated that maybe the best parenting style here would be to take away something that Claudia wants as a punishment if she doesn't live up to the expectations about doing well on this math quiz. And so Claudia hides her quiz and uses Stacy's quiz, which has a 95% grade in order to make her parents think that she did well because she wants to go to the dance. And it it's, it's a lot of sort of people thinking that other people aren't doing what they're supposed to. And then Claudia also actually not doing what she's supposed to and that she hides the truth from her parents. And it, it's a complicated episode, especially with, with the Kishis with, I will get to Janine because that whole piece of it just sort of wrinkled me, but <laughs> I don't know if I really said anything in there, but what do you think about Claudia and her parents' relationship in this episode? Well, one of the things that I just like in, in general about how what the series is doing is you mentioned that, you know, it is a Claudia episode, but we are, are looking at all of the families. And I think that I noted in both of these um, episodes that they're doing um, a more intentional job of the books did. And I, and I again, this is not a criticism. This is, I think, done very intentionally, but they're um, linking them more. They're weaving them more where you get more development for the characters um more through line mm-hmm. character development rather than like episodic development. Um, and, and the girls stay more involved. Um, it's really just a narration change and a perspective change rather than a, um, a full, you know, um, 
like focus on the on the individual character the way that the books sometimes are where like you know we've noted that claudia babysitting during the christie's crushers she was like doing nothing she had, had nothing to do in that book so i really appreciated that but claudia specifically i agree i think that that this did a really nice job of demonstrating that parental relationships are always complex regardless mm-hmm. of who they are regardless of of what um what you want, what you believe. And I, I think that's true pretty universally. I mean, I, I would say I, I have a complicated relationship with my parents. I feel like that that is not uncommon. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of love there, but that doesn't mean that there aren't also issues there. And I think that the show does a really good job of of not making anybody truly bad or mm-hmm. wrong. It's just, like you said, an issue with communication, an issue of um, differing expectations. And I, I think one of the things that I'm definitely not qualified to speak to, but um, I, I think something unique to the Claudia and the Kishis is is the fact that they are immigrants and that uh, that I know that that's a pretty common um Although on the theme. show, we'll, we'll find out in the later Claudia episode that they're not as close to being new immigrants in the country as in the books. Mimi, I don't well, think, is an immigrant. Um, no, I'm pretty sure. Sh- well, well even I, if- I don't think that that's different because I'm pretty sure wasn't Mimi came here as a little girl. So one of her parents was born here, but her other parent was is first generation or like came here, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong. But either way, the, the, the immigrant aspect, I think, adds an interesting layer because there definitely seems to be some cultural expectations, whether it's first generation, second generation, etc. Um, clearly, the Kishis take their culture very seriously. We see them eating with chopsticks. We see, um, you know, everybody takes their shoes off when they come into the house. That, that that I I think that they have not been fully Americanized, whereas Claudia seems much more so modern American young girl. And I think that, that that's a tension that's probably happening there as well. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good point, especially because I think one of the things that is sort of tough with the Claudia relationship with her parents is they don't, it seems like they, they obviously want her to do well. I think that they've had it very, I don't know if easy is the right word, but the schoolwork part of it has been much less complicated with Janine. So they're used to Janine sort of knowing what she's doing, being ahead of the curve, um, you know, not having to be as concerned, you know, wanting, wanting both of their daughters to succeed in school because that is very important to them. And with Janine, it was never an issue. They never had to be concerned about, you know, her having interests outside of those that sort of align with doing well in school. You know, obviously, um, you know, all of the the coding and computer related things might not specifically tie into, you know, a math class or a science class, but they're sort of in the same direction. Whereas with Claudia, her primary interests are, you know, things like art or, um, you know, reading Nancy Drew books as opposed to reading, you know, classical literature, you know, anything like that. Um, So I think that's sort of one of the things that isn't necessarily overtly said, but that I sort of actually was just sort of started thinking about as we were talking about this, because they don't necessarily know how hard Claudia has to work to try to get that 64% on that quiz, because they never had to worry about 
whether Janine was working hard enough because she always was because her brain is wired in a different way. And so when Claudia sends the picture of Stacy's 95%, you know, and then she comes home, she's getting ready for the dance and she's about to go out and, you know, her parents refer to her as an A student and a 95%er. And her mom says that she wants to see that quiz with the 95% next to Claudia's name. And I think it's not that, it's just, it's complicated because it's not that they don't love their daughter and they don't want the best for her, but they just, their way of appreciating Claudia's success is very rooted in achievement They want at different school. things. Right. So, so, so here's they, the thing. Well, here, I, what I see it is they, Janine's focuses and Janine's strengths are geared toward economic benefit to her and Claudia's aren't. And I think that that is, they're not, they didn't say it specifically that way, but at the end of the day, that's, that's sort of the end result, right? Art and, and Nancy Drew books aren't going to give you a education and make you money the way that coding and, and computer skills could. And I, I think you're right about the, the expectation part that they just don't know how to connect to her because Janine was so easy. But I also think that, uh, it's not just about that. I think that there should be more responsibility on them. Like the the fact that they so easily accepted that that was Claudia's A made me roll my eyes so hard. Like, who who do you think your daughter is? Are you right. really not paying that much attention? And then more importantly, I got really upset because when Claudia is is having that you know heart to heart with them and like having the, the trying to have the real conversation, um, they're like, all we want you to see is that you're working hard and like that we clearly see that all episode. And the fact that they haven't, um, that really frustrated me to mm-hmm. say that, you know, like I, it's one thing to have different expectations for your child's life based on what you believe is going to help them be suc- most successful versus what they want. That is a very, that makes sense to me. But like willfully not seeing who your child is, that to me was really disappointing. Yeah. And I was even going to say at, at, I think at the first family meal, or maybe it's the only family meal, but the first time we really see Claudia's parents, they're talking about grades and the fact that Claudia's algebra teacher called to make sure that she was studying for the quiz. And they say that, you know, this has been a conversation they've been having since she was in second grade. And now, you know, middle school was supposed to be a chance for her to start over. So I think that really sort of goes to the point you were just saying that they should know Claudia better than to know that she goes from some number that was less than a 64% on her prior quiz because Stacy does say that 64 was an improvement. Right. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll take it well because she did better. But yeah, the fact that she would go from something lower than a 64 to a 95 from one quiz to the next and they wouldn't even question how that was possible. You know, it's like their expectations are so high that it's like, oh, good, she finally met them as opposed to being more realistic and saying, okay, you got a, we'll say 60% on your last quiz. Let's try and get you up to a 70 to make sure that you have that foundation of this, you know, understanding of this, these concepts of math. And then we'll go from there as opposed to being like, you just need to get the 95%. And it, it's sort of, like you said, they, they don't see Claudia for who she is and how hard she's working. They just want to see that end result, even though they say that it's, they just want to know she's working hard because clearly that's not the case because she is working hard and that's not enough. Absolutely. Um, so let's t- get into the Janine of it because, you know, we love some Janine, but I was really annoyed with her in this episode. And like, I was trying to find some space and compassion and like, try to be like, okay, what do I think she was trying to accomplish here? And I really do genuinely think she was trying to help. And 
I think she is just so disconnected that she doesn't realize that that she's not helping. She's actively harming the situation. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think because she even when she raises the issue of, you know, negative reinforcement, then it's just she because she couches it as like I was doing some reading in a behavioral psychology book or something along those lines. And it's like she just she knows the concepts and she knows that this is how parenting styles might work better than what's happening in her family. But she doesn't realize that you shouldn't be and even if you think you should tell your parents this, raising it at the dinner table while they're in the middle of a difficult conversation with your sister is not the time to give them parenting tips. If you if it's ever appropriate to give them parenting tips at that exact moment is not the time to do it. And then on top of that, their parents should not be like, you know what, Janine, thank you for that tip. We are going to implement it right now. And she also gives them the suggestion of, I heard her at, and I wrote down the beginning of the sentence, at the meeting of Claudia's caregiving circle earlier, she was, you know, she was talking about wanting to go to this dance with Trevor. Maybe you should use that as the, you know, the, the carrot to take away. And it's like, what? <laughs> what kind of parenting style is like, you know what, older daughter, we will listen to exactly what you say we should do to punish our other child. That's exactly what what was pissing me off about it. One of the things that's that's interesting is Janine is not wrong. Um, mm-hmm. I, that's one of the things that I, I train that there's a that study that she's talking about. We use it to talk about motivation. And it, it is really fascinating. People who have something to lose work harder, even if that what you have to gain is more. So Janine's theory is of human behavior is correct. However, is that good parenting? Is that something you want to like just take your 16-year-old daughter's advice on how to parent your other child in front of her at the table? Like that's just all kinds of bullshit. Um and then even at the end, like when she's being grounded, which again, she deserves to be grounded mm-hmm. and not for um, – this is where it kind of bugged me too because it felt like they were grounding her for not getting an A on the test rather than lying to them. Yes. And like she deserved the grounding for the lying, not for not putting an effort into that test because she absolutely did. So I wish that that was a little bit more explicit, like what she was actually being punished for because that felt a little icky on top of Janine being the one like, well – um, consequences or consistency is key. And I'm like, Ugh. yeah, like she just seemed gloaty in that, in that space as opposed to obtuse. Well, I, I and know. it's all, but, in, and then it's not just that she's gloaty. It's that she's essentially telling her parents, like you're bad parents. If you don't maintain this consistency and continue to punish her, even though you've had this heartfelt moment at the end of this episode, it's like, Janine, you got to chill. <laughs> like, you can have these and thoughts, but like, don't tell your parents that they're being that their parenting style is wrong in the middle of them maybe not being the best parents. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that's enough negativity for me. Let's talk about some of the things we loved because there were so many things that I loved about this episode. Um. Okay. Number one, Karen Brewer. That's it. Yes. Like, thank you. <laughs> like, Just number one with a bullet is Karen Brewer. I love so much what they did with this character, rather than making her like extra all over the place the way that she is in the book Mm -hmm. they focus that extra into spooky girl and i am so here for spooky morbid child doll funerals like yes please bring it on i yeah i she's just perfect she's we got a very small taste of her in christy's great idea but here she's in like full force christy ends up having to babysit for karen and andrew the night of the halloween hop and it seems like it's essentially her first time really meeting them. Um, and 
Karen immediately tells Christy that they need to get cookies for her, the wake for her doll. And when they're later, it's a later scene, they're having the wake for the doll. Uh, the doll whose name is Krakatoa, by the way. <laughs> Christy asks her, should we close her eyes? Karen's response is, no, it's dark enough in the grave. And then her, right? her, her um, eulogy is, you lived, now you're dead. <laughs> And Krakatoa is an atheist, so we don't need to say any prayers. Like, Yes, the atheist part was my favorite. (laughs) I just love her. I could not love her more. I love that um, they do, like, talk about how she, her force of will is so strong that Mm -hmm. she can, like, get other people on board with it because she gets Christy all worked up. It was subtle. They didn't have to make a big thing out of it. But, like, clearly... Karen was the only reason that Christy was freaking out to the level that she was. And I just, I loved that so much. Uh, She's just could not be more perfect. um, Everything about it. Yep. Love, love, love this version of Karen. Cannot get enough of her. And we will get more of her in future episodes. So as I'm sure you all know, having watched, I'm sure the whole series, you all know, but we can't wait for more Karen. Um, So uh, one other thing that I really, really like that is, um, keeps with the spirit but makes it feel more modern and fresh is a lot of the dating stuff so um i like i said fully support getting rid of the phantom caller aspect of the dating especially because it doesn't make sense for kids how they date now right and and like that was i i liked how they talked about that i loved that they gave that like this is how sophisticated people date to stacy which just was so perfect um i i loved that um christie's lack of interest in dating is less boys yuck and more down with the patriarchy mm-hmm. which is just awesome um just I, give I thought they boys handled- another opportunity to disappoint you <laughs> like yes exactly yes and like dude she's got talk about daddy issues like in this episode we get into a little bit of that like she mentions it in the first episode mary ann brings it up um in a fight and it's clearly a sore spot like of course she would have trust issues mm-hmm. with with guys and like um it feels really weird to say the 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 phrase daddy issues about a 13 year old girl i don't mean it in that way but i just mean she does have issues around men like it would make sense that her her um attitude would be they can let you down because that's what she knows exactly and it, it it really makes sense for her reluctance with watson too and i think it's interesting that um edie well you know, she's it's Liz in the show, which, which is, is really even because like it's in the books. It's aside from the, and I don't know. How, we got so stuck on Edie and Edie is Edie, only yep. used in literally Christie's great idea in the book. It's Elizabeth then, everywhere else. But then, yeah, in the show, it's Liz. And so I'm sure people listening are like, why do you keep saying Edie? You keep calling Edie, her Edie. Edie. But like she's, it's in my, Edie, in my brain. She's Edie now. <laughs> um, she's Edie forever. Sorry. So Edie, Liz, um, I'm, I'm so a little surprised that she hasn't like picked up on that some of Christie's um, reluctance towards Watson has to be rooted in, I don't want to get close to this person who is then just going to abandon us. And like, right. even in the first episode, um, she talks about uh, how, when she's like looking for reasons to be mad at him about how he's pounding off his kids on them to babysit and he only gets to see them on the weekends and, you know, what kind of a dad is he? Um, and I think that's really a beautifully, beautifully done that, that, Everybody's doing things that make sense, that have intention. Um, whereas sometimes in the book, things we've noted happen just to sort of make them happen. Mm-hmm. Um, like 
this week everybody's obsessed with baseball. This week everybody's obsessed with pranks, you know, just <laughs> right. to help the plot along. Um, and, and this, everything that happens feels so rooted and connected to who these characters are and their choices and motivations, uh, even when clunky metaphors are happening, are so clear. Like, Claudia's motivations around um, sending the test, like, she wasn't just lying to lie's sake. It wasn't just she wanted to go to the... Um, the dance. I mean, that was definitely part of it, but it was also about not letting Stacy down. And it was also about, she had that bonding moment with Trevor where she found out that he feels that he disappoints his parents as well Mm -hmm. and called her special. And like, it wasn't just, oh, a cute boy might be there. It was like actual real emotional connections to these people that pushed her to make a bad choice, which I really, I thought that was beautifully done too, because it's so often it feels like in shows people make out of character choices to in order to create conflict and drama and this right. felt like they she was given a compelling reason that you go yeah i buy it even though she is at core an honest person right um, yeah there's actual she, motivation shown in the episode and in their character as opposed to like you said we, we need this to happen in this episode so um yeah claudia you're going to do this like you can actually see why she does it which is really kind of, like you said it's refreshing to see that in a show especially one for kids you know it's giving them that sort of understanding that sometimes people do things that seem out of character but if you look closely it actually it is in character because of certain things that are going on around them um can we just talk about how perfect Mimi is for like two seconds? Just, I ugh, mean, I, I feel like that's it. it there's not really yep. even anything to say beyond that. Mimi's perfect. She's proud of Claudia because she's Claudia. It doesn't matter what she gets on a test. Uh, and she's but, just exactly that, like that she's exactly who I pictured in my head. She uh-huh. is that, that warmth, um, so sweet. Uh, and the scene of them cooking in the kitchen was just, I couldn't help but feel like the kitchen was a little bit of Nancy Meyers kitchen porn for us 30 somethings <laughs> watching 100%. this now. Um, and I fully support that, by the way, have no, no problem with that. Um, but yeah, she was just perfection. Yep. Love her. I am a little bit disappointed before and we should probably start moving towards wrapping up. But before we do that, and before we touch on fashion real quick, I am yeah, I sad say. that we didn't get the code and Marianne's early warning detection yes. for the phantom caller. I I mean, it makes no sense in the way that they updated the episode, but like, I just loved getting that, that opportunity for Marianne to be clever. And I think a fun way that they updated that here is that she gets to be clever in that she figures out a way to use her mouse phone that has four numbers that it can call, three of which are Richard. She figures out a way to use that phone that is supposed to only be able to call the four numbers programmed in to call Christy to, you know, apologize and to give her sort of some, some babysitting tips for Karen and Andrew. And I, I'm really, I like, I like that we got Marianne's opportunity to be smart and sort of figure things out. But I did love when we, I mean, we talked about it when we talked about the book, but Marianne bringing all those things up and, you know, explaining it all to, the the Thomases when they came home was just I missed that that scene for sure. So here's what I'm holding on hope for is that um, we will still get some of that at some other point because they've been doing a really good job of taking bits and pieces from other books that don't you know work in whatever episode they're talking about and using it other places. So like in this book or in this episode, we've we've mentioned a couple of times that Christy and Marianne have a fight. Um, Short version, Christy starts insulting um, Richard, goes too far, which is... Calls him a psycho. (laughs) 
Yes. Totally normal. Marianne can rage about her dad all that she wants, but the second somebody else does, you know, back off. That's completely normal reaction. And she snaps and says, you know, what would Christy know about having a good dad? And so that's the fight they're having. And they, they, um, because of this mouse phone and she can't call Christy, it makes perfect sense that they would go back to their, you know, flashlight Morse code through the windows. And I loved, that's such a small thing from the books. If mm-hmm. it, if it had been left out completely, it would not have, you know, made any major difference. But it was just such a wonderful little touch. And I, again, the show, one of the things I think that I am coming to appreciate more and more is how brilliantly they've managed to justify a lot of the things that we loved and, and keeping those in the modern era. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it makes perfect sense that she would use her flashlight if she couldn't have access to the phone. Here's why she shouldn't have access to the phone, et cetera, et cetera. It, I, I loved that. Loved it, loved it. Yep. So, which means we, that wasn't from this book in the first go round, the, the flashlights and, the, and that particular fight. So there is a chance that we might get Marianne's early detection system in some other form as we go down the line. That is true. Because we'll have to. Because there will be more where we are willing that into the universe. I think Netflix would be crazy to not order more seasons uh, they would be of this so show stupid immediately. Yeah. At this point, it's such a part of pop culture at this point, and everyone loves it. So they would be ridiculous if they didn't. So uh, before you jump into fashion, I just want to note one thing really quickly. One thing that I did like, even though they they abandoned the like horror movie phantom caller aspect, they did keep a lot a number of nods to the horror. Um, genre between Karen's morbidness, um, the way that they shot the Richard and Marianne confrontation scene. Oh, Marianne and the phone. It was like shot with a lot of drama there. And then, um, of course, Claudia's costume, which is the segue to you. Well, they're also, but now that you touched on the horror thing, Marianne references clowns from it. Oh, that's right. Is yeah. also a callback to the books when we know that surprisingly she loves Stephen King so it, exactly. it's sort of a fun full circle but yes to, to touch on the fashion it is a Halloween dance and uh, Claudia was initially planning to dress up like a troll doll but once Trevor expressed interest in quote unquote seeing her there she realizes she needs a costume that's much more soigné which is clearly an update because soigné was not a word that we used in normal conversation in the 80s um I don't know that word. I had to turn on I, – I, I watch it with the subtitles to take notes, but I was like, what is she talking about? I, I assumed you would know because you took French. Um, I don't know it because of French. I know it because of watching a lot of Top Chef. It's just oh, like, okay. you know, fancy and cool and elevated. Interesting. I don't remember – I have, haven't watched Top Chef in years. Don't remember that being word that was used. So it's usually from something new more – it's usually more from like – the sort of douchey, I'm too cool for this kind of chefs. Like, ah, gotcha. Swanye in the chef world, at least, has come to be a little bit, at least from my, from my perspective, maybe a little like trying too hard when you use that word. Gotcha. Like the food can be what it is, but like when you're using Swanye to describe it, it's like, okay, take a chill pill. But gotcha, gotcha. Claudia, so that would make sense that Claudia would use it trying to feel sophisticated and cool. Right. But Claudia's soigné costume is Tippi Hedren from The Birds, which she does a great job with it. Um, our friend Katie, that was a guest uh, on our super special episode previously, dressed up in the same costume uh, several years ago at this point. But it, it's a good, it's classic costume. Claudia, of course, does an amazing job with it. But it's fun because you can tell that hers is actually 
like that she made it as opposed to mm-hmm. um Stacy's costume which we see when she's at the dance alone after Claudia gets grounded she's wearing a full on Marie Antoinette costume which is beautiful and well made but you can tell that her mom just bought it for her it's not something Absolutely. that she or made or rented right right so it's it's not it's obviously not homemade not that costumes are better or worse if they're homemade or not but it just goes to who these girls are and what their families are like and that Claudia is like I need a new costume I'm just going to whip something up and make it and Stacy is very much like mom I need a costume for this dance let's go get something and it you know it's just it's a fun and I know we've sort of talked about the fashion in the last episode and it'll continue through all of the episodes but seeing the way that they costume each of these girls and how it really sort of informs who they are as people and what their life is like is just spot on it's perfect it's so perfect I love it um I also love her rbg look so stinking cute oh yeah I mean I basically already own that dress it uh, for everyone that maybe hasn't watched this immediately before listening to this as Claudia is trying to get ready for, you know, get herself in the right frame of mind for this math quiz. She decides to dress inspired by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She wears a black um, sort of shift dress with white collars uh, and cuffs and, you know, sort of like built into the dress. And I definitely have that dress. I definitely wear it to work. And I saw that and I was like, okay, well now I know, who else I can take inspiration from when I go to work. Although I wouldn't be wearing pearl earrings and I don't think I could wear white platform combat boots with my outfit to work, but I can at least feel like I was there first before Claudia when I wear it again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, actually uh, the thing I want most of Claudia's uh, outfits this week or this episode were the earrings, the watermelon earrings. I love those were very me. I would mm-hmm. wear the hell out of those. Um, I have made a note to start some internet sleuthing for myself. Well, those are available on Amazon. I can tell you that cause I already looked for them. <laughs> nice. Well, I know what I'm doing as soon as we're done here today. Perfect. Okay. So any other thoughts, questions, comments? I just made a note. Um, the quadratic equation in the seventh grade, I feel like I didn't learn that until high school. Does that seem like super advanced math to you? Um, it doesn't to me, but I was in advanced math. <laughs> it seems strange to me that, that Claudia is taking algebra in seventh grade because yeah. I took algebra in seventh grade and I was on the advanced math track and Claudia would not have been on that. You had you had to take a test before going into sixth grade to get on the advanced track. And Claudia, if she can't get a 64% or she can only get a 64% in math, was not taking the advanced quiz, or the advanced placement test and getting onto that track. So it it makes sense to me that someone would be learning that in seventh grade, not that Claudia would be learning that in seventh grade. Yeah. Um, I liked that Claudia didn't find her grounding to be like, she didn't act all dramatic and like stomp off. She was like, yeah, you know what? I did something wrong. I got punished, but I'm still, you know, I'm hanging with Mimi. It's not so bad. I thought that was refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was cool. And one thing we didn't note in the last book is we both, we talked about it when we talked about, um, about it offline or off recording, um, is we spotted Lacey in the beret getting, um, a pamphlet in the last episode, and then this week ends, dun, 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 with news that there is a new agency um, on the horizon. So we'll get to look at that next time. Yes, we will. Just like in the books, except we didn't get a heads up that it was coming at the end of Claudia and the Phantom phone calls like we do here. 
Yeah, I'm loving the, like, cliffhangers that take mm-hmm. us into the next episode. Definitely. Okay, any other final club business? Um, you can reach us. Um, tell us your thoughts if we are being too hard on things, if you have a different way of looking at it. If you also want to tell Janine that we love you, but this was a dick move, um, you can reach us at um, Generation BSC on Insta and Twitter. You can also email us at generationbsc at gmail.com. So with that, uh, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this emergency meeting episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to your friends.